0: Love Talk
1: Radio. Aloha, welcome to this happy Aloha Friday. Well, every Friday is happy Aloha Friday when you're from Hawaii. Uh, Welcome to Talking Pictures. Today we're going to be having another cinematographer on, which this is really awesome for me because this is well, we've had multiple cinematographers. Every cinematographer, it's it's so great because each one of them is unique and different, and you have to know. So much stuff to be a cinematographer. It's amazing, not just life or movies, music. There's so much technical stuff. There's so much fun stuff. There's so much stuff that probably gives them a headache. There's everything you could think of and everything that you can't think of. So today we're here with Mr. Toby Oliver of the ACS, which we'll let him tell you what that is because I don't want to get it wrong. I know what it is, but we have to leave something too for the guests. Again, don't mix that up with the ASC, which our last guest was from. Uh, so let's bring him in. Enough of me yapping. Welcome to the show.
0: Uh, thank you, Paul. Good to be here.
1: Oh, no problem. No problem. We're happy to have you. Um, I, I never assume, but ACS or you know, yeah, American yeah. Um, Australian Cinematography Society, correct? That's right.
0: Yeah, that's right. ACS Australian Cinematographers Society, and it's um. It's uh always it does tend to get confused confused with the ASC, which is uh kind of understandable. But um we do our best to sort of make people aware um that we're from Australia. And right. uh we have a cinematography society there too. That's that's I think the coolest thing that I
1: like about the uh I mean, it's cool. It's it's not a film geek thing, but to pay attention to how there's the BSC and the AIC and the AMC and obviously right. the Italian and Mexico and yeah. uh, British. And um,
0: yeah. so, yeah, I think that's... It's I surprising think that's... how many uh, cinematography societies there are around the world. Uh, there is an umbrella group called Imago, which kind of tries to sort of um, bring all those disparate societies together. And there's there's something like, I don't know, there's almost like 80 different societies or something from various countries. I'm not sure. I haven't actually counted them, but when you list them all, it's like a big, thick book. So um, we're very happy to be part of that, too.
1: Oh, okay. Well, well, thank you for sharing that. I'm glad I brought it up because (laughs) I know you you always see a, a certain amount of them, and so I didn't know if there was only... You know, if it was by country, obviously by country. But it's, you know, yeah, it is. Was...
0: It is separated. Yeah, it's by country. But it's like uh, lots of lots of countries do have a presence, a cinematography presence, because uh, let's. I mean, in most countries, they need you, you need cinematographers to shoot their their commercials, their movies, their TV shows, a whole range of stuff, and that happens even in tiny places. I'm sure. Yeah, you
1: know, just the the last question about that is that is it like the ASC to where it's not like a union or part of IATSE? Or... Yeah.
0: Generally it's not a union or, or a guild. It's not, it's not something that you have to belong to, to be allowed to work or it, it doesn't, it's not involved in setting rates and conditions. Um, usually it really, uh, the, the ACS and the ASC and, and all the other societies um, are really about sharing information and um, creating a, a sense of, um, you know, camaraderie amongst cinematographers, so they can they can sort of they've got somewhere to go where they can actually communicate with each other. Because uh, most of the time on most projects, there's only one there's only one cinematographer or one DP actually, you know, on the show. So you don't really get that many opportunities to work with other DPs. And so it's actually the societies that that fulfil that function of bringing DPs together with their You know, monthly meetings or the awards nights and things of that nature that, um, and sharing information, um, that actually sort of bring us all together in our various countries and then, and also throughout the world. Well,
1: that's the best part I feel of, uh, we've, we've covered the AFC awards a few years in a row and we also attend the dinner. And I always just love how it feels like this. Well, first of all, it feels like I always call it the group of 200 guys that don't want to be in a tuxedo. I think they should let people go to the ballroom and fall caps.
0: It's it's pretty true that uh, for many, if not most, of the cinematographers at the ASC Awards, the tuxedo gets used that uh, one night a year,
1: (laughs) um, pretty much.
0: Uh, I know At the moment, that's pretty much what mine gets sort of dusted off for. Uh, Since I've been living here in the United States, I've managed to get to the ASC Awards a, a couple of times, and so it's been great. But yeah, 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 you're not. Uh, they're not. But you, you, it, <laughs> unless you're a huge award winner as a cinematographer, and you've been to all the awards nights, it's the the, the ASC awards are kind of kind of a baddie.
1: <laughs> no, I uh, I love. I every time I I, I just I, I don't stereotype anything, but I love uh, Australians. It always makes me think of this friend I used to hang out with in college. Obviously, don't need to mm-hmm. go into any of the wonderful memories, but. I always love how there's this presence, there's this in the moment, there's this just whatever it is, whether it's the smallest thing or the biggest life success, it's treated so kindly. So without getting into yeah. the usual, like where did you come up from? Like, is there something specific that got you into doing this? That like made you say, I'm going to, this is my path. I'm, I'm headed here. Um,
0: well, look, yeah. I mean, I, I went to, I discovered sort of, Film and video making, I guess, at at high school. So it was. Um, excuse me a second. So it was. It was sort of that was my first sort of exposure to to making making videos and stuff. And so after, and I really enjoyed it. Um, and I kind of then said, okay, well, I want to go to film school after I finished um, high school, and that's where I got stuck into. And this was back in Australia in Melbourne. Um, at a place called Swinburne Film School, and it was a writer-directors course. So really, you go in there as a director, and um, well, not as a director, as a as a budding director, a potential director. Um, but by the time I'd done it, three years of that, I kind of realised that really my strengths were more behind the camera as a as a cinematographer um, on all the little short films that we did, and that sort of that's what I learned out of that. So that was pretty valuable, and I then basically sort of changed tack a little bit and sort of directed my career towards the, to focus on the camera. And, um, and, uh, this kept at it, you know, that was a, uh, that was quite a long time ago. So I've just been sort of at, at it sort of behind the camera and, and working in that field of filmmaking since. And well, film school is always, and of course,
1: it's such a different debate. I mean, I went to film school. It was only, I guess it's odd to say it was 16 years ago. Um, I, and I and now yeah. I see that it's such an interesting debate because people are always saying you don't need to now you don't need this. But I always tell people, you know, if you just go down the going gig to gig, unless you're like the greatest on the planet or you really don't need any yeah. backup knowledge, film school gives you those connections that will help your next yeah. project or will you know they'll oh, nice. they'll work for half a raid or they'll you know they'll understand yeah. that your budget I
0: mean, is yeah. Yeah, that's a big part of it. And, and what uh, one of the directors, or my fellow students that I um, was in class with at film school, I went on to to shoot four feature films for that for that director, Alkinos Silamitos, uh, who's also from Melbourne. And uh, so those connections you make at film school are the ones that actually get you started in your career. So you, even if if at the actual film school you don't necessarily learn a huge amount of stuff that you then use later on, it depends. Um, we certainly learn stuff, but then you kind of have to relearn it again. But uh, it's really the connections you make um, that uh, really help you in the next. You know, when you when you're starting out in your career, you know. Those oh teachers. yeah, for sure. Yeah,
1: I mean that teachers was uh, good on the first day of film school. Our teacher told us, "Look around the room. You don't need to impress me because I'm not going to hire you." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Right. Um, that's and, really I, I, and of course, you yeah. know, we were sitting at lunch. What the hell is he talking about? Why do you say that? Oh, yeah, blah. Yeah. And now I'm like, I, and I've, t- I've had the good fortune to tell him later on in life. You were, you are exactly right. Um, so yeah, we're, we're right. here today. We're here today to talk about everything, which we always do on this show, but uh, we're going to concentrate cool. on a film titled get out, which you can catch on Amazon prime. Uh, it's released through universal. And this yeah. was a film that, uh, Feel free to rent it, check it out. Um I I got to watch this film at the perfect uh time of day. I ended up it was just by circumstance I watched it at like ten o'clock at night. Oh um, yeah. I, yeah, and it was for me I a lot of the times on this show I only I wait until a few days before the show or sometimes literally then the night before to Right. Uh, to not to just kind of sit on it, but to just kind of not ha- maybe be in a different mood about it or, you know, maybe yeah. something. Yeah, you know how it is when you get a film and then, like, you know, something maybe happens to you and you relate too much to it, so then you're mm-hmm. blinded by it. So what I loved about this was that I recommend this film to everybody because, first of all, if, if you're one of those people who needs to hear who's in it and needs a big name, Bradley Whitford from the West Wing, Catherine. Yeah. Uh, you know, Keener from Forty Year Old Virgin and yeah. Sean Penn's Into the Wild. If you're somebody who's just hooked by genres, it's you know how 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 would you classify this? Because you guys have so many genres in this film. That was going to be my yeah. first question: was how yeah. do you well,
0: tackle it? Tack well, ostensibly it's a horror movie, and that's how it was kind of first set up. But really, it, it doesn't fit into a a straight up horror genre piece uh, because. You know, it, it crosses. It 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 doesn't really touch on a whole lot of real horror stuff. So I suppose it's it's a thriller. It's it's partly a horror. It's also got a lot of comedy in it. Uh, there's some real comic scenes. Um, and I think the the ability, um, one of the amazing abilities of of Jordan Peele, the director, was his ability to weave those quite disparate genres, some of them, and weave them together into a movie where it all feels um, quite whole as one piece and uh, I think that was his real skills he kind of had it happening in the script, in the screenplay and he was able to follow that through right through to the, the final product after after he's had a go at editing with his, with his um, editor and I think that shouldn't be underestimated because he was able to to create a movie that, that kind of chopped and changed and in other hands might have been quite clunky, um, but he was able to sort of pull it together with a very strong sense of uh, tone uh, throughout the movie. Uh, so I thought, you know, that was that was pretty impressive, and especially considering Jordan's a first-time director, he, was, um, he hadn't really directed anything before, but he, he really knew... Uh, where how the tone of where he wanted to place this movie oh
1: interesting first time director i'm going to throw out a synopsis here and then i'm going to get back to that first time director point uh get out is about it's a time this is off the internet movie database um it's time for a young african-american to meet his white girlfriend's parents for a weekend in their secluded estate in the woods that can always be a setup for a comedy if People want to get stereotypical, mm-hmm. but this film doesn't. Uh, but before long, excuse me, the friendly and polite ambience will give way to a nightmare. So, I want to go back real quick to the first-time director thing. Do, yeah, uh, it's all, and it's again, it's not a, in a bad way, is it? That that to me is all, is always the thing that is constantly seems to be. I understand why it's a thing for everyone. And I would have never believed this was a first time director if it wasn't from the actual cinematographer of the movie. Um, Yeah. But where do you, is there a process without being too secretive into your, uh, into your privacy of how you kind of weigh out how many times you think a director should have made something and kind of with that you think of. You know, having to remember when people were looking at you and saying, "Oh, well, you haven't shot a feature, you haven't shot a doc, you haven't." Yeah. How yeah. do you? How, do, how does that process work for you?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, when I was starting out, and I think for a lot of cinematographers, it's a real thing. If you haven't shot a feature, it's there's not that many people willing to let you shoot one because you know you just haven't had the experience. Um, and and it and it's something that people really
1: find um can find a
0: bit of a Bit of a problem, so it can be very hard to get over that first that first bridge with a director. If they've got a good screenplay, or if they're coming from another field, like say with Jordan, he's he was a writer uh, who wrote a lot of uh, he wrote a, a movie Keanu, I think, in some other scripts, and he obviously did all the work with the um, Key and Peel um, TV comedy skit program, and so he'd come from a lot of experience in a sort of slightly different area. But he had a great script that he obviously put a fair bit of work into over a number of years. So for a director, perhaps it's a little easier to get that first thing. If, you, if you've got the goods behind you, you can get that first um, nod to, to direct your first movie. Um, and it wasn't a huge budget movie. I mean, Get Out was made for $5 million, so it's it's not like someone was giving him a, an $80 million, $100 million studio picture to shoot. So... Um, right. There, the risk is lower, you know. Um, it was a universal picture, but it was made through Blount House Productions. So they specialize in these low-budget movies, and they often give opportunities to first-time directors like Jordan um, to who come in and um, and direct. So, but certainly working with Jordan, it, everyone was aware um, that he was a first-time director and he was the first person to say, you know, talk, say what he didn't know. He said, look, you guys, I don't... you know, the best way to go about doing this. Um, What do you guys think? And that would be him talking to me and to the first assistant director, Gerard Donati, who was experienced first AD. And um, he was sort of surrounded by fairly experienced or quite experienced practitioners. Um, So it wasn't like they were throwing Jordan in with a bunch of of newbies as well. And that's that's often how these things are structured. If you've got a first-time director, there won't be too many other people on the, the senior crew who will be first-timers. I mean, they're there to support that director and help them achieve their vision, and that was our job on on Get Out, to really help um, Jordan um, do that. Um, and and well, fill in the gaps in, in knowledge that Jordan didn't have and was freely admitted it, and we were there to just fill that in. But, but he, he went in there, like I said before, he went in there with a pretty, very, very clear idea of the movie he wanted to make.
1: Well, that's... Very, that's very interesting. I like what you're saying about uh, you know a a seasoned first AD for for those of you on the show, yeah. list, first time listeners, a first AD. I have yeah. had the good fortune to be a PA on different sets. I think first AD would be, I don't care if you paid me twenty million dollars a day, I still wouldn't want to do it or be able to learn how to do it or be not licensed. Oh, it to,
0: to be an AD. Yeah,
1: Look, yeah, kind of job. <laughs> yeah. Like not <laughs> it's not even. Yeah, I don't. I don't care if you're like you're gonna be Scorsese for. I don't, I don't care. It's not interest. Never interested me. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, that would be that. Probably be the most essential thing for a first time director. Uh, is
0: totally. Is and, if, and the producers at Blumhouse were very careful to make sure that the people that Jordan were working with was was complementary to what he wanted to do and um, had the experience to be able to to pull off the. You know, it was a pretty tight schedule. The, the principal. Photography was only 23 days, so we had a lot to do in a relatively short time. Um, so all those those things um, are really important that you've got experienced people who can who can pull that, that off in the you know within the constraints.
1: Now, is there a um, I this will and I, I'm trying to just take a quick second here too. Uh, well, first of all, just quickly on, on the tech side, uh, what like what was oh. the shot on?
0: Oh, we shot on um, Arri Alexa cameras, the Alexa Mini, which is the small um, Arri Alexa digital cinema camera, and we used um, mostly zoom lenses. We used Onjine zooms, through compact zoom lenses, because um, Jordan, again, because Jordan was a first-time director, he wasn't, he didn't have much experience on the technical side of picture film making, like what lenses to use, you know, what does a, what is a a 18 um, millimeter lens. How wide is that? that? That's stuff that he didn't have that kind of experience or knowledge. So, um, using zoom lenses, which we could easily just adjust to the, get the size frame that he was looking for, um, uh, without having to know, you know, all the, necessarily the specifics of the, the lens sizes, that was sort of helpful to him. So I, I switched over and used just exclusively zoom lenses on Get Out. Um, and, uh, you know, the quality's there and they look great. So it was never, never really a problem from the, from a technical point of view, but it made a difference for Jordan from a, from a practical and, uh, um, sort of working method. So I, I,
1: I honestly don't know if there, I mean, there's a million things obviously, uh, from gaffers to grips to just what you guys do, especially in some of the sure. sequences. But I, the one thing that I cannot ever, and I don't think I'll ever understand, I flunked cinematography class. If my teacher didn't like me so much, I probably would have failed film school. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. He, was like, he, it, it, he used to tell me, you know, you don't need to know how to do the cinematography. You just need to know if you hire one, if they're wasting your time. And I said, okay. Yeah. And it, it's that. It's <laughs> yeah, 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 it's that lenses. It's that memorizing every lens. And when I see documentaries yeah. and I hear the, let's do this one, let's do that one, and and I just, I can never get yeah. it. I've had my friend show on yeah. my viewfinder, and I'm on his viewfinder. I'm like, yeah, okay, I didn't get that. I'm like, thanks for showing yeah.
0: me. Yeah, but uh, well, that's right. So, and I think Jordan didn't want to have to to be in a position that he had to sort of suddenly knuckle down and try and learn all that stuff in. In five minutes before the shoot, so uh, it was my job to make it as easy as possible for him to be able to direct the movie. Um, so, taking not bombarding him with technical stuff that he didn't really need to know at that time. That was that was part of the job.
1: Did uh, I guess my my next question is because uh, of course when we have we we want to get some technical info on the show and uh, for the some people use some of the episodes we do for uh, educational purposes, uh, the the effects, it wasn't, to me, it wasn't, for all I know, you got your used more effects than I caught on to, but uh, one of the things I appreciated was that there was kind of the visual effects. First of all, there's so few movies now where you can obviously watch, where you can obviously Sorry, not notice. It's visual effects. Yeah. And then there's obviously yeah. you guys had sequences where it had to be visual effects. It was obvious. Um yeah. I mean, just because any movie, yeah. it would have been. I'm interested yeah. in it. This is just what, like it says, the movie's about the the boyfriend meeting the girlfriend's parents. That's right. So, so I'm just interested in that first scene. Uh, they're sitting at the the brother has come over, and you just had these really interesting candles. Now. Is there something that you can
0: say about that, or that you want to say about that? This is in the the scene, the dinner scene where they're sitting down at at um uh in the in the dining room. Is that the one you mean? Yeah, and the brothers say like, "Do you do jujitsu?" Oh do you yeah, wanna... yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was a nice scene. I enjoyed sort of lighting that scene. Actually, that was really quite. Um, we're in this this um, quite large home in uh, because we we made the movie down in um, Alabama near Mobile and uh, the main house was the location uh, not far from Mobile. Um, Anyway, so it had um, quite a nice dining room that we were able to set up and the candles that we used in that were just regular candles but um, that you'd see on a dinner table Um, but We kind of, I had a lighting rig over the top of the table that um, had a few things on it, but some of the, a couple of the, we had, I was using um, what's called China balls, which are soft white balls, um, paper lanterns really, with bulbs inside, and then I also had a couple of very hard 300-watt lamps that focused down onto the table, and they bounced up off the white tablecloth into the active spaces. And that's probably what's giving, you, giving that look, especially that look of intensity when the brother was leaning over towards um, Chris and, uh, yeah, talking to him about the jujitsu. And it's very intense. And, part of, and a, a little part that helps that is the lighting where you've got this sort of bouncing light up into his eyes and the candles going as well. Um, so that was... Uh, so, so really, it wasn't anything special with the candles, but I did use filters on the lens through the whole movie. Uh, a filter called a, a glimmer glass, which is like a little diffusion filter that gives you a little glow around bright lights, like the candles, like the candle flame, and that just adds a little little touch of something special to it.
1: Okay, because I, I I it was really I really liked it because I was thinking uh, it's not effects, it's not this added little special thing. I don't want to spoil anything of why the 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 kind of the these candles have this effect but I asked about it because it was such this kind of nice uh, few moments for me of being like you know kind of really taking the time to look and be like that's not effects that's really lit I know that's not just a computer thing but like we all know that you know we all know that a lower budget or a movie where you don't see Bradley Whitford at the table probably has to just push a computer button and make the lights um this is this is always the hardest thing. I uh, it's I don't even like yeah. saying a question like this, but I, I guess I can use it for saying Bradley Whitford um, yeah. is there uh, is there a different way of uh, I don't like uh, is there a different way of uh, lighting for say Bradley Whitford if he had not had a beard, I want to say skin tones, but that really bothers me because there's different skin tones in the movie, but I guess that's the only way that I've always wondered, like when someone's young and fair, or if they're older, or if they have a great beard, how does that play into
0: lighting? Um, I think with um, lighting, when you've got the time, it it, it can be a time thing, so when you've got the time, you can really tailor your lighting for each actor that, that sort of walks in front of the camera, and obviously you try to do that uh, especially the older actors, um, uh, the older female actors like Catherine Keener. So she's, she, you know, she had a slightly different lighting approach than perhaps the others did, um, but it wasn't hugely different because I'm wary of suddenly, you know, you have a lighting style that's working for the movie and it's feeling very natural and, and it's, it's not pushing people out of the movie. The audience is, um, you know, believing the scenario and then you suddenly change that lighting and it becomes like a you know, beauty commercial when you're focusing <laughs> right. on a particular actress. Uh, now, the problem with that is that can make the actress look great, but suddenly it feels like you're in a different movie or a commercial or something. And So that's, that's where a cinematographer has to balance up, making sure that um, the actors look good and it applies to men too. Um, at the same time, you wanting it still feel real and be part of the movie and be consistent with the rest of the movie. So it's a little balancing act. Um, so uh, that you you know you've you've got to find the right balance between that. And um, when you've got actors of different ages, um, but generally the lighting throughout the movie is generally fairly. This particular movie is fairly. Um, um, kind on the actors. It's, it's, I'm always wary of that. I, I, I hate to see movies where they obviously haven't really paid much attention to that. And some of the actors can, can end up looking a bit rough around the edges. I think, um, you know, certainly I try to avoid that, but at the same time, you're trying to tell a story and you're trying to create lighting that, that's suitable for the, the story that's been told in the tone of the movie. Well, that's uh thank you for
1: explaining all that because I've, I, I know the only example, and it's obviously, like you said, it's a commercial or uh, yeah. it's obviously most done, which for I, I, it's all, it's all good. If, if people don't know this, we'd love to talk about anything is like films in the forties and fifties where actresses would have a contract of how they had to be lit. That's why you always be yeah. like, you know, the same yeah. kind of dark and then it pit and then it, the cameras on Lauren Bacall and all of a sudden you're right. I mean, it yeah. does feel like a totally different movie and then it's, Back to the dark yeah. tone of the movie, so that would be. Uh, right. I guess that would be an interesting thing. I mean, uh, the one of the cinematographers we had had on Richard Crudo, he he was talking about yeah. this actress Alicia Witt, and Alicia is just this spirited, beautiful. Like you just wa- she just walks into a room and lights up the room. And I would always oh. say, like, what? How do you light her? Because as a person just her spirit is so yeah. glowing and and it was it was kind of interesting the way you were explaining you know he said what you said he's just like there's no camera or light i have that you know captures that it really is like <laughs> you know roll camera yeah. you know you're half of that yes. is her you're so yeah so totally. that's what i've always wondered about what you guys do um let's see here's something oh, well, to totally. take up- i,
0: mean, I- He's totally oh, right. I mean, if you have an actor that has a, a real particular persona or energy or light about them, you don't want to uh, destroy that because that's probably the reason they're being cast in the movie. So right. you kind of want to work with that and make sure that your you know, the lighting you use and also the camera angles are, you know, are, are kind of making the most of why that actor's actually there. And um, you want to enhance those, those great qualities that that actor might have. Uh, to bring to the movie um, So that's something to be aware of As well you know but I mean different movies need. You know if you're doing a very dark Very scary horror movie then a lot of it's Going to be very dark and sometimes You're not going to see much of the actors So it, it's, uh, it's, it's Again you know it's horses For courses um, when you When you're trying to devise your Lighting plan but um, It's uh, the actors You know the actors face is still The most important thing that you're that you're you're shooting, that you're lighting, so you you've always got to be aware of
1: that. Well, I I really loved the, uh, I mean, I'll just leave it at this because I don't want to mess up any of the story, but uh, just the tones you had to do with kind of the evolution of the lead female, and I want people to watch the movie yeah. because I don't even want to say what her name is. She was a great actress. Yes. Um The evolution what you had to do. Yes. I'm Sorry, I just wanted to compliment you for her while you were on the phone. Um, Thank you. Here's something I'm always interested in hearing, and obviously everyone on the planet has watched or loves Inside the Actor Studio, so I'm not going to try to act like I created this, but I'm always interested yes. in, for a cinematographer, what's the genre? You know, I call you on the phone, I have your budget, I have your script, I have everything mm-hmm. that you want to do. What's the genre that you want that script to be? Oh, if I had
0: the choice
1: of yes. the genre? Yes. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah um well it's funny because you don't you, you tend not to you sort of <laughs> you kind of end up getting offered the the stuff that you did most recently so if I did something successful recently um and since i 've moved to the united states i 've only lived in the United States about four years but since i 've been here it 's mostly been horror genre um because that was the movie I did when I first landed here, and um then you know one follows the other follows the other. And um, if you do a, a decent job on it, they'll ask you to do another one. And um, that's how I ended up doing Get Out, and that's how I ended up doing the the movies that I, the, that I did subsequently to Get Out. So you don't always... You're not in a position to sit back and look at uh, five different scripts with five disparate different genres, and so, and mm, which genre will I do next? Um, some people maybe are in that situation, uh, but generally most people aren't. But um, certainly... I'm, uh, you know, I've done, I had a good run doing these uh, smaller horror movies. So um, right now I'm doing a thriller. So I guess it's related, but it's definitely not horror. Um, and I'd really love to do a science fiction movie. Um, you know, maybe it'll end up, <laughs> if I did, it may well end up being something like a, an alien style horror science fiction, probably, but um, right. I'd certainly be interested in working in that in that genre. And I haven't done it yet. Interesting.
1: Well, you're, so you're probably obviously to give the context for for people, uh we you know, it's <laughs> I love I love being able to sometimes when we can have obscure filmmakers talked about, but since you said Alien, would that maybe be like uh Ridley Scott? So maybe like something up your alley is you're really interested in the new Blade Runner? I know he's not directing, but is that kind of yeah. something what you're okay.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, Which of Blade Runner is one of my favorite movies, yeah. Which, of course, the new one is, is going to be shot by, uh, you know, that guy, Roger Deakins. He doesn't know anything Roger about Deacon. cinematography. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that guy,
0: uh, Roger Deacons, I'm sure he doesn't know a thing about it. Uh, um, I think that, yeah, I think they've already shot it or in the middle of shooting it anyway at the moment. They might have, oh, okay. might have even finished shooting it by now. But, yeah, only just recently. Um, but, yeah, I, uh, saw, the, I saw an article about it the other day that was making me think of it yeah.
1: and – now yeah, yeah the, no, I'm
0: looking forward to seeing what they do with
1: it yeah it's you know and that's kind of one of those um i i love that i like you were saying about the societies of getting together mm. and talk with each other i i love that yeah. that you can meet people who just want to talk about film and who literally kind of don't care who you are because tomorrow they're going to work with the Cohen brothers or they're going to work with whoever that, that is cooler than, than I am. So it's kind of like, you know, I love myself and I'm always in the room with that most confidence, but I'm like, this is really cool that I'm getting to sit here and the person doesn't care that I'm not doing what they're doing. And that's what I, that was, that's why my, probably one of my favorite things to do each year is cover the dinner because you're just really in the room with creativity yeah.
0: um, so yeah. and i think I, I think that's something true of cinematographers uh, perhaps in particular not uh, that I've seen over the years is that we're we're often really happy to share you know share stories and share information um, without without and I think that's um I think that's true of many cinematographers and roger Roger deacons downwards you know I think Um, he's well known for being very happy to do that kind of thing. So it's sort of, um, I think it's, um, it's just part of the, part of the, maybe the the genes of a cinematographer is that you, you're happy to do that and and share what you know and what you learn.
1: Yeah. I really, I really admire that about every cinematographer I've met or we've had on the show or from all those or any experiences at the clubhouse. Uh, So you spoke of a genre you'd love to do. Is there a genre, no way you would do it? you you need to pay, you need <laughs> to pay rent. You need to pay off the credit card, and your phone rings, and uh, it doesn't matter what yeah. I, what it, what is that?
0: I guess it's, a, yeah, like that's a funny, that's a, that's a tough one because you, you always, I always try to look at a project, um, and just see this, but look, if it's, if it's a genre like. Some sort of like you know torture horror type thing, and it's it doesn't really have any kind of redeeming features, not even as a really a piece of entertainment. Then it's the kind of thing that I'm probably not going to be interested in. Um, the other genre that you that you tend to steer away from is the bad script genre. And um, you know, if it's, uh, if it's a if it's a script that comes along and clearly hasn't been written by anybody who knows anything much about writing, um, then that's that's sort of warning bells. And you know, like everybody, I've turned down many, uh, many an offer uh, based on a screenplay that's just clearly not a real screenplay, um, and uh, is you know basically terrible. And um, you know, there's a lot of those floating around, um, and uh, you just you've, you've got to, obviously a little choosy at times. Um, so yeah. The I
1: love I, lo- I love that. I've never heard that called a genre. That's right.
0: Copyright that. Yeah,
1: you copyright that and then fight with the Writers Guild about it. Um, I said that, not not Toby Oliver. Uh, it's just anonymous joke is how crazy the Writers Guild can be. So again. Yeah. opinion of this show um, so uh, let's see what I wanted to say what the, the the last thing that I always like to know is sure. you have some specific and it's the most cliche question on the planet uh, do you yeah. have some specific uh, whether they're cinematographers uh, uh, artists a band you always listen to while you're prepping doing storyboards do you have
0: some form of artist um, that like, keeps you going not not really i don't have a something that I always go back to but i I do like to see i mean I do trying out to go out and see all the important films and so and so it's the work that people are doing that what read like for example and so I guess the person um, sort of that a touchstone that you might reference when you're talking about projects to directors and stuff that can change because it's it's kind of what's Something that's a bit more relevant or recent. Uh, for example, I really love the work of a cinematographer called Bradford Young on a movie called Arrival, um, that was earlier this year. Um, so that's been something that I've actually ref- referenced to for a couple of things recently, where I've said, "Oh, yeah, I really like what they what uh, he did in Arrival. Why don't we try something like this?" And so that that thing that you use as a as a, a touchstone can be a changing uh, moving beast, um so you know you you try to become be pretty flexible of that rather than always go back to the same thing um, yeah, so I can't, I can't well say for it. just
1: I'm sorry to interrupt you for just for one thing so sure. people know the cinematographer he just said, uh Bradford Young is yeah uh also known for a movie called a Most Violent Year, which was one of those we grabbed at the red box and had no idea what we were in store for. Uh, but yeah. he's—I would say probably what people would draw to his work is Selma, which was obviously right. brilliant yeah. and had to capture time, had to not make it look like uh, footage that we've seen, had to show you something that we all knew what was going to happen. Uh, thank yeah. you for bringing that up. That was and Arrival. What's funny is—is is this has happened to me, and I need to stop saying that it happens to me because I believe when you say something happens to you, it continues to happen. Yeah. You mentioned Arrival. That was the only film I didn't see in last award All right. season. And so oh, okay. <laughs> So I'm, I'm like that guy at the party where if you're going to yeah, pick right. one film of the season, uh, <laughs> oh, and it's sorry. always okay. a film that like, you know, you're on your way to it and then your family needs something or your
0: yeah, something you know, comes
1: up and you're like, okay, well, I'll just put that one film aside. And <laughs> it's
0: usually like it's the classic yeah. example, No, the that happens. it happens to me too it happens to me too. <laughs> and, you know, i've missed one, one or two important films out of the whole year and then when i meet a director to talk about you know, a new script or a project you know no doubt the first film they're going to mention that uh, have you seen blah 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 and it's like oh, um uh, I no, I kind of missed that one blah blah blah. i've been to see it and so you kind of oh, there's always something you can't see everything Oh, I can't understand the time. So but yeah,
1: no, I wish, uh, I, wish uh, I could. Yeah. You know. That's the bummer thing. That's the one thing I try to do as a host is I've, I actually started to get people being like, do you do anything besides watch films? And I would say like, you know, if I, if I have 10 guests, that means there's a minimum of 10 of whatever that I'm asked to watch yeah. for those 10 guests. So that could That's easily right. become, you know, multiple things and so yeah that's sure. always a it's always an interesting thing but i i have that little thing as a host where it's like i i feel like if someone uh brings up a movie it makes me want to see it more if i haven't seen it it's like now i'm like oh yeah. I, I already wrote down i'm like okay I gotta see rival. so the yeah. next time someone brings it up
0: so yeah, you'll seen it. The... Well, I, I i have to do the same thing because if i if i'm in a meeting with a director and they mention a couple of films that um that are relevant that i haven't seen you know i'm like seeing them that you know as soon as i walk out of the meeting that you know that night i'm watching those movies because you just you just got to know you know what 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 people are talking about with references and stuff you know
1: i I love that i mean it's so i love how it's not i don't think it's something that only people in the business do but there's that added kind of like now someone well, has made you feel like yeah. you're missing a part of the pie. Like yeah. you know, you're at Thanksgiving yeah, and you got an four. You
0: just... yeah. <laughs> right. that you've got to go and see that too to so see you, you, you're still part of that conversation, and that's really important, you know, in the business for sure. Right.
1: Now, now the the last thing is I we, we give guests uh, the floor for a minute or two if there's any current project they'd like to plug, or if not, then that's oh, cool right. too.
0: Um well it's always it's always a little tricky with what I'm doing because you can't plug too always. much with these the, the project um but I'll tell you what I will talk about a project that I did um that should be coming out later this this year it's a movie called um Wildling that I shot that was a very low budget movie I shot in New York at the end of well over a year ago now nearly 18 months ago um it hasn't it hasn't been released yet but we're hoping it does. And it's uh, a wonderful story by a director called Fritz Bohm, a German American director. And, um, we made it for something like, um, $2 million, very small movie. Um, but it's this wonderful story. It's kind of a coming of age story about a young girl who, um, realizes that she's actually not, um, quite what she seems. And, um, when she grows up, she's going to become something else. And, uh, it's uh it was shot in the forest forests around New York or in just upstate New York. Um so it's quite a quite a um atmospheric piece. Anyway, so that one's a movie people don't know much about, but it's gonna be hopefully coming to cinemas soon. Now
1: did you are I have your bio, so I know I ha are, are you yeah. allowed to say who's in
0: Because I um yes, I think so. Um Liv Tyler is in it and Belle okay. Haley, who's a um Belle Powley is the, the the lead, and she's a young um, British actress. And Brad Dourif is in it, who people might remember from many many things, including um, Deadwood. He was the uh, he was the doctor.
1: Um, okay, see, I'm glad this. I'm glad that uh, this is again. I felt uh, I was looking over the list, and I was searching all over for <laughs> for this film. I was like, it's got, yeah, it's it it not hadn't... here. Not here. Yeah. I got to see this. Like uh, obviously, I'm yeah. of the generation of when Liv Tyler was doing those, you know, schoolgirl Aerosmith videos, and it was okay because it's her dad's band. Um, yeah, right. Yeah, but that yeah. was, a, you know, you and a, a daughter would have never been in those clothes on a regular film set. But so <laughs> yeah. I'm. I just have that, you know, being a 17 year old guy attachment to her. With all due respect, and all due, you know, <laughs> especially yeah, on yeah. air, you know, when there's other another <laughs> professional with me, but. I saw that and I was just like, okay, I have to see that. <laughs> I got to ask about lighting Liv Tyler and I'm going to be probably sound. So, well, anyway. yeah, and
0: it's interesting because Liv, <laughs> Liv's definitely playing against type in Wildling because um, oh, okay. so she, she, she plays the, uh, the local town sheriff. So that's oh. kind of like not, not, not her usual kind of role. Um, so uh, it's definitely be worth seeing when it finally does get out to cinemas.
1: Okay, well, sure. thank you for that. Amy Adams and Liv Tyler. You you got you sold me on two films here. Um <laughs> okay, <sure. laughs> sorry, I, I mean that totally. Um so again no, we wanted absolutely. to we wanted to thank you for your time today. We appreciate you stopping by. Um you know, I tell every guest I tell every guest they're welcome back in the future, they're you know I would say, love unless somebody you. hangs up the phone and it's like, why the heck did I do that show? <laughs> They're welcome back. <laughs> no, it's
0: been, it's been a great talking to you, Paul. It's been a, a good conversation. Thank you.
1: Thank you. And you have a wonderful day and weekend. Okay. Bye. Thank Take you. Take care. Bye. Bye. And that was a great, I love talking with cinematographers. I'm hip hopped up. I'm buzzing, not in a drug induced way, just from that conversation. So, I'm going to let you guys go saying happy Aloha Friday, spread some peace. And like I always say, whether it's morning, afternoon, night, or whatever other time of day there is, make sure and watch a good film. Aloha and thank you, Meredith.